Welcome to the Unexpected Leader Podcast. You know, in the past, God chose to call fishermen and tax collectors to join him on his mission. Today, he still calls the broken. They may be sons and daughters of mechanics or of business women and men. You may be one of them in a position of lay or vocational leadership in a church or a mission agency, maybe an educational institution or denominational leadership. But if you, like me, find yourself unexpectedly in leadership, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for taking the time to listen in. We want to welcome you to the Unexpected Leader podcast. I'm joined today with Ron Scott, who's sitting in for Lois Mitchell. We're excited to have with us today Gord McLeod, who's the pastor at Louisville Baptist Church. Gord, welcome. Thank you. Just as we begin, Gord, can you give us a bit of a thumbnail sketch of the mission and ministry that you're involved with at Louisville Baptist? Yeah, we've been at Louisville just over 19 years now, and we started in those early days wondering what it was God wanted us to do. And we knew we had to transition the ministry. But the thing that was going to help us was if we knew why we were doing what we were doing. And looking back, I would say that's the thing we didn't articulate strongly enough or often enough, is the why of what we were doing. And we began to change some things, and worship changed, and some people left. And But then we got to the point, we had some help. We had some friends of mine from uh, the ministry in Ottawa who had moved on to Toronto, and they were now helping not only churches but companies come to a sense of what they were about. So they helped us. And in that whole process, long story short, we became convinced that our role was to serve the community of Louisville. And so our motto, tagline, the stuff that's on all of our stuff is a target with here to serve because we are here to serve. And as we started moving in that direction, God began to open doors and we were found ourselves involved with a local daycare, the local schools, the local MLA who would call us when they had needs, a family burned out, anything. And it just blossomed with opportunity. And so that's who we still are. We are here to serve. And we would say we're a community church and Louisville is our community. Now we have people coming to us everywhere from Salisbury to Chemigui, but basically we're a community church. Thanks for that. It's nice to have the concept of where you're serving and kind of what motivates the service to the community. And uh, I really appreciate that. Thanks for sharing that. Gord, on the Unexpected Leader podcast, one of the things that we like to kind of delve into is that season in our life where we begin to kind of come aware of God calling us and inviting us uh, into mission and ministry. If you can go back to that for your story, can you share with us a little bit about kind of how God began to do that? Yeah, God began to uh, work in me before I even realized what he was up to. I was a high school student. I was just a Christian a few years. The main thing I remember was that we had stockade and battalion, the Christian Service Brigade, two ends, and the battalion leader got moved out of our town for his job, and we had no battalion leader. I was 15, and someone in the church says, well, you've come through Christian Service Brigade. Why don't you lead it? So I gave it a try. I didn't know any better, and it didn't go awful, and I was being asked to give my testimony different places, and it didn't go awful. And then by the time I was 19, they asked me to be camp chief at the association camp. 
which uh, didn't go awful. (laughs) (laughs) So I was getting these ministry opportunities. You know, I was giving gospel devotionals to camps around campfires and so on, leading Bible studies. If I'd known Well, there's nothing I could do anyway. I just didn't know that the bus I was on was going where I where it was going because I I didn't want to go there. So, just as you kind of process that through, and as an older teen, young adult, these opportunities are, are placed in front of you, and you step into them, and they don't go awful. At what point in time do you begin to sense that God's doing something here that that you were unexpecting? Uh, that that caught you off guard. Oh, he was not at all subtle about it. <laughs> I was at Atlantic Baptist College, and uh, I was I was taking science courses because I was headed to Dal and the Bedford Institute of Oceanography to be an oceanographer. Uh, uh, and the president, Stuart Murray, came to me one day and said, there's this little church down on the way to Memram Cook, on the back road to Memram Cook, in a little place called Dover, little Dover Baptist Church. He said, they need a preacher two Sundays time. I'd like you to go do it. So I said, all right, since you asked me, sure. I went down there, eight people showed up. I gave them a rousing version of John 3.16 and it didn't go awful. So I heard the next week from Stuart Murray that, you know, uh, pretty good reports from Dover. Maybe you ought to do that more. I said, don't want to do it more. I'm not, I'm not headed there. I'm headed for marine biology. But about the same time, God began just to weigh stuff on my heart. And I, I, I admit, I was a little bit puzzled by it. And I was puzzled by it because this was not a love for me. I was not sitting around saying, boy, I hope I can be a senior pastor someday. It wasn't your passion. Oh, heavens no. <laughs> I was going the other direction, Ron. Mm. And having my devotions one cool, crisp, sunny October morning, his hand was so heavy on me. And I remember just saying, well, okay. If you want me to go, I'll go. But I'm like the kid kicking my toes in the dirt. But you got to get me ready because I don't know anything. Mm. And then that morning, I went down and changed my science courses for Bible courses. And I started taking Bible courses. And so as you, as you process that through and you kind of surrender, you know, at that point, yeah, yeah. more opportunities flow. Yeah, opportunities flowed. In fact, not long after that, Hillsborough was in need of a student youth pastor and someone directed them to me. And I remember first getting the first phone call and I'm like, I don't know anything about being a youth pastor. Goodness. And they said, well, will you talk to us? So I did. I wound up going there as the, the student youth pastor. So I went down, I made a bunch of mistakes. (laughs) I tripped and fell, got back up. I I worked that year as their youth pastor. So in those early days, are there there people that you could look back to in that history that were real, uh, either mentor figures for you or people that just said, look, Gord, I, I believe in you? I did have Ralph Richardson, who as an instructor and as a friend, more than anything, we played tennis and we played ping pong during the winter and Gary LeBlanc and Bob Wilson and Bob Cameron, they all used to play and we all played together. And so what I did get was this positive, very positive impression of people who were in ministry. And then there were, of course, were occasional conversations and that kind of thing. But I would say more that than anything else. Whatever preconceived notions I had about what a pastor was, they weren't it. 
the stereotype got blown up. Oh, the whole, in those days, suits and ties and every hair in place and all of that. How do you think that set you up for understanding your identity, being called into into ministry and given opportunities for pastoral ministry? How, how did that help you shape your understanding, not only of yourself, but maybe even of the church? I, I wasn't sure of all that pastoral ministry would mean for me. In fact, in the early days, I thought it was just going to be youth pastor. Just, I say. Huh had no idea but I could be real and I could serve Jesus and I could serve Jesus in meaningful ways and not have to resign a whole part of my life to blah which is what the impression often is I but I didn't have to do that I played hockey with Gary LeBlanc and Ralph Richardson and then we could have conversations in their offices about what was going on in my life and there was lots that was not good in my life in those days and uh, they were just patient it, uh, I often think about that back tennis court at, you know, the old ABC, ABC campus, because I was there as well and had some of those tennis matches as well and got slammed all over the court. Yeah. But it was often, it's it's that unofficial mentoring that those, uh, you know, Christian leaders did in, in the lives of the, you know, the young people coming through that context and just pouring themselves in in a real presence way mission and ministry can be different than maybe what it's portrayed as uh, in some of those contexts so the whole stereotype thing bit the biscuit and how has that helped or has it helped in terms of kind of walking with your congregation oh yeah i i have never felt the need to fulfill any stereotypes now that has offended some people who really think that the pastor ought to do that i preach in jeans and a golf shirt you know, every once in a while I put a tie on and someone will say, wow, looking sharp today, nice work. <laughs> but it's it's one in 12, you know? Yeah. But it meant that I could be normal. And I don't think it hinders ministry, I think it helps ministry. I think you're right. I think it opens up doors uh, that people are a little more comfortable with their messy lives when they kind of recognize that maybe the pastor has a little bit of honesty and authenticity and that they've journeyed through their own mess. Well, let me, let me tell you a little story quick. I'm pastoring in Ottawa and our church property was fenced off from a wading pool, a community center with a swimming pool and three ball fields. I started coaching, I've played a lot of baseball and softball, I started coaching our son's little league team. Came to the last game of the season and I'm just standing there watching, watching the boys play and one of the mothers comes up to me and says, well Gord, you know, this has been good, you've been here every week, the kids have learned a lot, they've had a lot of fun, but I don't know anything about you, what do you do for a living? And I said, see that church over there? And she said, yeah. I'm the pastor there. She slapped me on the arm and said, no, you're not. But that's the thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the surprise, the, huh, the fascination. What's been surprising for you, just things that you didn't expect were going to come your way as, as, a, as a pastor, as a leader? I didn't expect the battle to be as hot as it is. Yeah. Hmm. Every day, every week, people stuff, family stuff. The war against my family has been vicious and Mm -hmm. relentless. The battle against me has been vicious and relentless. 
and I have not won every battle. And those are some of the most painful times. Mm. That's the thing that surprised me. I just didn't expect it to be that hard. Mm-hmm. Gord, when I hear you say that, I, I you know, there's these images that come uh, of spiritual warfare and just uh-huh. that deep sense that, you know, we are enmeshed in this battle. Has it surprised you from where most of the attacks have come from? Not really. You know, you're living in a world with people. My home church split that same year I was the battalion leader. I knew that church people could be hard, but they've also over the years been wonderful. And I guess I should have expected both, but probably I I didn't expect the harshness. Mm. Learning to fight well has been the biggest challenge and how important it is to fight every day. Have you felt like uh, have you felt like apathy has been something that you've had to to work against within yourself or church or just to say you know maybe today I don't really want to fight this I want to just go hands off is that has that been a, a struggle? Once you've lost a half a dozen times, you know how painful it is to lose. So apathy, I would say, has not been in the cards because the consequences of apathy are too great. The pain is too real. And for too many people, because it doesn't just involve me. It involves my dear wife of 41 years. It involves our children and now grandchildren. It involves the leaders that are close to us. Well, for example, one time in Ottawa, I got talked into something I'll never get talked into again. We were going to do a congregational survey. And one of the congregations said, you can't get honest feedback unless it's anonymous. Oof. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the Moncton Times transcript learned the lesson that Mm -hmm. anonymous letters do not get published because when someone's hiding behind anonymous, they'll say things they wouldn't otherwise say. Yeah. And we got the surveys back and I got treated pretty well. But one question was, what's one thing about Alta Vista Baptist Church that you would change if you could? And someone wrote the youth pastor and to see him try to process that over weeks. So I said, okay, if I can't get a letter published in the, in the local newspaper without my name attached, we are not ever going to do a survey again that's anonymous because if someone can't own their comments, we probably don't want to hear them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was an attack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the evil one used it yeah. and just gutted our guy for a couple of weeks yeah. till he kind of, you know, shook it off and, and we prayed him through and loved him through and so on. But there's a certain level of resilience that's required to kind of forge mm-hmm. through those types of battles. And so appreciate that you're still in it. And I'll follow this up with a question, but first mm-hmm. a comment. I was recently in a, um, a seminar setting where one of the pastor's presence was early 40s, mid 40s. And he was just crying out to kind of say, we need pastors finished strong. And he was saying, I need people in my life who will continue to fight the good fight and who will continue to fill out their calling and will see it to the end that they won't bail, that they'll contend for the bride of Christ and contend for the mission that God's given them. So when I think about that and I think about serving in ministry and even within this context of being a denominational staff person, we're still in the midst of the fight and the battle as mm-hmm. well. So my, my query would be this, what is it that you have in your life that continues to breed 
that resilience to continue on the journey that God's called you. Yeah. When I graduated from Gordon-Conwell, they gave me a, a vest. It's like a flak jacket. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's no silver bullet. Yeah. So I still pray on a routine basis. In Jesus' name, I put on the whole armor of God, mm -hmm. the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and I take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and I declare that this is an armor of light. No weapon yeah. formed against me shall prosper, for it is God who supplies all my needs. We fight the battle in his strength. Yeah. My wife and I, before we sleep every night, we pray, and we pray for our families. And we pray that they will be covered with the blood of Jesus so as to be protected from the evil one and that they will be overshadowed with the Holy Spirit so as to have wisdom, discernment, and insight. There is no shortcut. It's everyday battle. It's like a soldier who gets up every day and sharpens his sword and puts on the armor piece by piece because there's not a day when you can say, oh, I'm going to leave the breastplate off today. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure resilience is the right word, and I'm not sure what the word is, but, sure. it's, but it's more along the line of survival. Yeah, yeah. The other side of that, Garth, is that sometimes God just says, you know what, I'm gonna give you some quiet water. True, yes. He leads yeah. me beside Side still, still waters. waters. Now I know that that's a different context and so on, but he's the one who leads, and he may mm -hmm. give us times of ministry that are blessed and that are conflict-free, and if he does, do the best to advance the kingdom while it's quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like make sure. some hay while the sun yeah. shines. While the yeah. sun shines, yeah. make yeah. some hay. Once in a while, God gives us some space. I had a seminary professor who said, "I have scars. You may not be able to see those scars, but I have scars." And so, certainly in this conversation, it's evident that the journey you've been on, that God has used you in the midst of the battle, and I so appreciate that. Yeah, we're in this moment in time where you see all this stuff about life hacks and shortcuts. And here's how to circumvent the hard stuff and get to the good stuff quickly, which is very counterintuitive to the life of ministry. Uh, it almost maybe paints a false picture about what somebody who might be in high school thinks about what it's gonna be like. Well, you know, there was a, a young man, I, I'm a fan of Erwin McManus. He was telling um, in one of the books, I can't remember which one, about a young fellow who comes up to him and says, can you teach me how to get where you are? And Erwin said, nope. And he goes on to say, what he wants is he wants my position without the journey that brought me here. Yeah. And he says, you can't separate them. No. Because who I am and what I am and what I have to offer is a result of the journey that God has had me on. So the only thing I would say to that young man is go back and start your own journey with God yeah. and let him take you through it. And when you get to my place 20 years from now, you too will have a story, but there is no shortcut on that. And will you make mistakes? Absolutely. The old joke about the, the young fellow says to the bank manager, how do I get to your spot? He says, good decisions, young man. He says, well, how do I make good decisions? Bad decisions, young man. <laughs> <laughs> we learn. We, right? That's the thing. Part of the resilience of the body of Christ is that the body of Christ has been amazing at absorbing the faux pas and the stumblings and the fall flat on your face failings of leaders. The question that I want to ask right now would be, if you think about a theological, a, a biblical theological concept that is missing in general from the church today, is there one that kind of comes up that you kind of say, like, the teaching is weak or the practice is weak? Um, 
and, and that we've kind of maybe let a certain theology slip by or a certain focus. Here's the thing. We've, we've gone the route of pragmatics, the 10 best ways, the eight best ways, the five best ways, and we've reduced it down to formulas. Shortcuts. It's spiritual hacks. There aren't any. And not that we can't learn. We, we can learn from business people. We can learn from mm-hmm. principles to embrace, print things to avoid, all of that. I'm a pastor who does theology. So let me just say, the big picture solves the small question. God is sovereign. And by definition, God is so much in control of the events of our universe that his enemies doing their best to oppose him carry out his will and purpose. My best text is the one from Acts 4 where Peter lays it out. They thought they were getting rid of Jesus when they crucified him when they were actually carrying out what God had predetermined before the foundations of the world. So they were opposing him, but when they opposed him, they did the very thing he wanted them to do. And so we've got to be careful of making too much of just do this and this and this and this, and it'll all work out. Right. You know what? God took the most unjust, awful death in the history of the world and turned it into salvation for his people. That's the big theology. Yeah, that wasn't drawn up at the strategic planning session, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> so what are some encouraging stories you could tell of you just getting even a little glimpse of God showing up in those ways, even in, at Louisville? We are, we are right now in a kind of an exciting time. We've grown. We, we've grown by more than double, even close to triple. And we are out of space in our building every way we can be. So in 09, we bought land. We were going to relocate. We had the land examined. Turned out the land is too sandy. And the development costs went from half a million to 2.3. Well, even if we had $2.3 million, we wouldn't spend it on land development. Are you kidding me? But it became apparent to us that we should have a look at our own building. So now we're going to build a worship center on one end, and we're going to gut the old building to the studs, and we are going to get everything we were going to get in the new building for half the cost. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up in those unexpected ways. Oh, and, yeah. and I'm glad he's patient. Yeah. We, we started down the road of here to serve, and within weeks, we had more here to serve opportunities in the community than we could handle almost. What does it look like for uh, young leaders? What does it look like for them to be participating in, in the story that God is bringing you guys through at this time? And, and, and what do you think is, is your role as someone who has been through many battles to, to help them along in any way that you can? I, I think my biggest role is not panic. When it doesn't go awful. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just say, okay, let's just calm down. God's in this. For young leaders, I hope they see mature leaders. I hope they see people who are committed to God's direction and will just hang in there. And I hope it means that they get to serve shoulder to shoulder with people who've been through the wars. It's great. We, we talk around here about, um, for us, it's, it's interesting to kind of hear stories of kind of leaders being willing to walk alongside of young leaders and, uh, you know, to champion when it doesn't go awful. A helpful book for me was Oz Guinness's The Call. 
And he will talk about the fact that when you have giftings, your gifting and the world's great need with God's instruction that your gifts are to be applied to that need is what constitutes a call. So they all intersect. They all intersect. Well, here's what it does. Here's what it does for us as a church. We get asked to participate in things all the time that we say no to. It's not because they're not good. It's not because we're not interested. It's not because we're not kingdom forward. It's just that that's not what we're called to. I, I I get asked all the time to participate in things. Committees and I don't get along. Hmm. And when they ask me now, I say, no, thank you. Because my gifting takes me out of that. Is there a need? Probably. Is God working in it? Probably. But my gifting isn't there, so I'm not going to be there. And nothing personal. I'm not trying to be hard to get along with or unsupportive. It's just I have to understand what I do and what I don't do. And what I don't do is committees. Right. So you can even help people within the church or even as as potential people considering ministry just to see where that intersection might be or if there is one there. Oh yeah, yeah. And give feedback. Well, and that's the benefit of the body of Christ, right? Like when we live in an isolation or a notion that we can live our faith on our own kind of separated from from a local body, we can get ourselves kind of way off track thinking that we we become the sole interpreter of God's message to us. I spent time in Ottawa with the brethren, and they invited me to house churches to teach. And every once in a while, they would have someone that was seeking the will of God, and they do this community collective seeking of God for the will of God in this person's life. And to be part of that was amazing, but mm. the person has to be open to open that. to hearing, and no, you shouldn't do that. When you think about the leadership role you know, that we're called to in, in a church context, we often have certain conversations or questions or issues rise to the top. And I'm kind of thinking that those who are listening to this podcast might be kind of interested in kind of like, what's the top issue or what are the top two issues that when you have conversation with your congregation that, that are rising to the top? Number one, we're better together. So community is huge. Number two, next steps. Everyone is meant to take a next step toward God and good in their lives. So it's not just discipleship, because mm-hmm. discipleship's a part of it. And if, if you've not come to Christ, you need to come to Christ. That's your next step. And if you've come to Christ but haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized, because that's your next step. Right. And, and your spiritual gift, and begin to use it, because you know all of these are next, next steps. steps. Yep. And they happen in the better together context. That's where the gifts are exercised, so that's. Uh, the third thing is grace first. I would say that that is the single most important value for us. I think that's our niche, is we have broken people, we have hurt people, we have people who've been judged, people who've been rejected, who show up and find out that they get a hug. And the fourth thing is Sabbath, not as a day, but as a principle. We went through the time of busy, 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 busy. Every day of the week, schedule the building, everything is huge. Don't think it's biblical. Yeah. Can't find a biblical justification for that. What I can find a biblical justification for is the ebb and flow of Jesus' ministry. Mm-hmm. Were there no other people for him to see? Yeah, there's always people for him to see, but he's going up to the mountain, yep. and he'd be back when he's done. So those are the things, the mission here to serve and the values, those are the things we come back to over and over and over. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever seen Simon Sinek stuff? Yes. Start with why. Yeah, start with the why. We go back to why all the time. And so someone says, well, you know, there's this program going on at this place, and why would we do that? Yeah. Well, because it's a good thing. Well, I, yeah, there's lots of good things, because we could help. Yeah, yes, we could. But the question is, should we? On my whiteboard yeah. is we are a community church. Louisville is our community. Yeah. It's very freeing because you can say yes to a bunch of stuff, and you can say no to some stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and you yeah. need to do both. The holy act of saying no. You know, if my job is to get from here to Salisbury uh, within a certain period of time, I can't stop to pick berries at every place along the way. The berries are good, and we'll love them, but that's not what I'm about. Just maybe to close out, we've been asking our guests uh, in each session, kind of say, if you could go back to those early days of the overwhelming yank and tug and uh, to- <laughs> as, as shepherd's he, crook. Yeah, the yeah shepherd's well, crook not crook. even, it was more like a, a headlock and wrestle me to the ground. <laughs> when, when you kind of look back at that and think about maybe uh, some young leaders who may be listening to this, what advice might you give yourself at that point in time? Get alone. Young leaders, want affirmation, great. They want someone to talk to them, great. But in the end, it's between you and God. So get the input, even invite someone to go with you, but get alone. Again, there's no shortcut. Yeah. There's a place in Alma, there's a breakwater there. And it has become so well known to the people around me that sometimes it, it slows down to this. They'll say, you know what, you gotta get to the rocks. Because out the end of that breakwater is where God has spoken to me more times and more clearly than anywhere else on the face of the earth. So when I really need to hear from him on those big things, those when am I going to retire kinds of questions, someone can give me an opinion of what they think I ought to do. And my family speaks into that. My dear wife has walked with me all this time. She has her opinions. But you know what her opinion most often is? I think you need to go down to the rocks, go to the rocks. and hear mm. from God. Yeah, I would say to young leaders, don't go because it's trendy. Don't go because your friends think you should. Don't go because your family thinks you should. Don't go. Just tell them very honestly what the problem is. I'm thinking about ministry. I don't know if it's for me, and I don't know if it's for now, and I don't know what it is you want me to do if you want me to go. Can you show me anything? By the way, Garth, I'm now a long way from that morning in October when I said, uh, you got to get me ready because I don't know anything. Yeah. I know a little more than I did then, but <laughs> I'm still pretty deficient. Yeah. Well, that's that's our journey too, isn't it? We learn every right. day what we yep. don't know and go to the rocks to figure out what we need to know yep. and uh, seek to live that out. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad and, to do it. Uh, I think it'll be incredibly beneficial for those of you who are listening to this. And to those of you who are listening, uh, we want to take the opportunity to thank you for either streaming this podcast or downloading it uh, and listening to it while you had the opportunity. Uh, I'm Garth Williams and saying thank you and uh, goodbye for now for uh, from Ron and Gordon. Thanks for listening to the Unexpected Leader podcast from the Canadian Baptist of Atlantic Canada. We're a family of over 450 churches and organizations joined together with the mission of joining God in our neighborhoods. This is a podcast from our Center for Leadership Development, and we want to invite you to join the conversation by heading to Instagram, where our username is unexpectedleader. 
You might also be considering whether God is unexpectedly calling you as a leader. And if that is you, we invite you to head over to www.yourcalling.ca and check out the content we've created just for you. Again, that website address is www.yourcalling.ca. Today's episode is part of Season 1 of the Unexpected Leader Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe so you'll get new episodes as they're released.